Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Horn Call Podcast. This is episode 25 for the month of August 2022. My name is James Bolden. I'm the publications editor for the International Horn Society and your host. Uh, by the time this episode goes out, IHS 54 will have been in the books, and if you were able to attend this year at Texas A&M University Kingsville, I hope that you had a safe trip there, a wonderful, wonderful week of all things horn, and a safe trip back home. Um, As many universities in the United States are gearing up for the beginning of their fall semesters or fall terms, I wish uh, all of my colleagues in the United States uh, the best of luck with everything as their school years get off to a good start. Wherever you are in the world, uh, whether you're still on a break from uh, something, an orchestra season or a school schedule or anything else like that, I hope that you are enjoying it. If you're back to work at whatever it is that you do, I hope that continues to go well. Uh, On to my guest today. Gabriela Ibarra is a horn player, musicologist, and teacher, uh, very active in uh, Latin America in her native Venezuela, and who now lives in the United States. We have a delightful conversation today about her work uh, with the horn and with the International Horn Society. She serves on the editorial board of Horn and More, the electronic newsletter of the International Horn Society. She's just a wonderful, wonderful personality, a very giving and uh, with a a very volunteering spirit for the uh, International Horn Society and uh, uh, a great example of the wonderful kinds of people we have in the IHS. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Gabriela Ibarra. And thank you so much for talking with me today, Gabriella. I am excited to uh, get to know you a little better. We've corresponded by email quite a bit, talking about you know an article in the Horn Call that you helped you know uh, uh, make sure that it was uh, uh, brought to our attention, and it's it's going to be in the the May issue of the Horn Call, and then. I want to hear about all the interesting things happening in Latin America. Um, so if you could, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself, what uh, you are doing as a horn player and musician, um, and maybe where you're from, anything you'd like to share. Oh, wow. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> sure. James, it's a, it's, a great, it's a great thing to be here with you, sharing this virtual space. Um, appreciate it. Thank you. Um Thanks for the opportunity to give a uh, space to talk about Latin America because um, this is a special time where the International Horn Society have, has this um, space. Uh, for me, it's like to be uh, a bridge, um, to be connecting the people. For me, that is in, that's important. Um, I am so grateful for, for that. Um, also, we have this dear um, Radegundis Tavares as the president. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I get that everything is perfect for Latin American, um, the horn players in general in, in the world. So thanks. Thanks. You're very welcome. Yeah. So are, you're from Venezuela. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. So and where did you go to school and where did you get your musical training? Well, I started at five years old. I started in in the um, 
conservatory at my city. Um, mm -hmm. And then I just started with El Sistema. I don't know if you know about this musical movement that is uh, is a pedagogic um, program in Venezuela. It's really popular right now in the United States and everywhere. But I started in there with the horn. Uh, my experience was so, so funny because I just started like a Monday with the instrument directly uh -huh. with the instrument at 11 years old. Um, next Friday, I was playing in a concert. I, oh I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember exactly how it was the, the concert, but in the system, um, the, the process is so fast. They try to put the instrument directly to the child at the first moment. So I started like that. Um, after that, uh, at 17, I started with uh, the professional orchestra in my state, in, in Maracay, is the city. Uh -huh. um, and at the same time, um, I started to do my, my studies in a music school in there. I got my first degree in there, like a you know, horn teacher. And then I, I got my bachelor degree in Caracas, Venezuela. Um, in horn uh, in horn performance. Um, after that, I continue with uh, Latin American uh, musicology. So I have a kind of uh, different things in my in my experience um, as musician, but has been really really great. Oh, excellent! And so uh, you're you're continuing to play and teach now. You play in an orchestra and you teach somewhere. Well, currently I'm not teaching. Um, my last experience uh, teaching was in Dallas because I was living in there. I uh, was directly with a program, uh, the Young, Young Musicians Program, uh, oh, okay. with the Dallas Symphony Orchestra. They are um, they are trying to imitate this the same system, uh, uh, like El Sistema. Yeah, they they work with elementary schools and they provide the instrument. And there there are a lot of kids coming every every afternoon, and it's a really a really beautiful program. Uh, but but with the COVID thing, with the pandemic, right. I just stopped that and moved to, to Florida. So that was my last experience teaching here in the United States. But in Venezuela, uh, I worked as teacher uh, from 2009 until 2018. So it was like 10, 11 years. Okay. Oh, are you in Florida now? I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, yes. we're in Florida. <laughs> Orlando, Florida. Orlando. Okay. I'm just a couple yeah. of states over in Louisiana. So, oh. yeah. It's hot here now. Is it hot there? Uh, it's not hot. It's a, a really good weather right now. The sun is really pretty outside. Yeah. Well, it's not hot. It's not hot. Well, that's good. <laughs> so, uh, if if I could, could I ask you a little bit more about uh, El Sistema? And and we, I think most people have heard of it because of you know there are some very very famous musicians like Gustavo Dudamel who've come out of that program. But could you talk to uh, a little bit about what the training is like? Do you take private lessons every week, or do you study in a big class with other instruments, or is it all the horn players together? Well, basically in El Sistema, the, the main thing is play the instrument. So every week you have like your individual class. Also you have master classes and you have brass sections 
classes too mm. on mm -hmm. every day the orchestra so the main thing is the orchestra so they they are trying all the time to bring um teachers from europe from united states from outside to show the, the kids different things um right now the situation is not so good in venezuela uh, i know that those activities has, has been decreasing but the movement um is still alive so they they are doing still things uh, in fact there there is a um, national horn uh, school um i admire them because the teacher they they are doing all that they can for keep the student motivated for for being every time doing their best um because the conditions are not the best right now that's, that's the truth mm -hmm. that's i see the truth. But you have, I would assume you have fond memories of the, the, the system and, and, you know, growing up in that and just being surrounded by music all the time. Yeah, yeah. That is just like a lifestyle because you are going to be all day, every day involved in music and concerts. And that's great for a kid. In my case, um, my mother used to love the music all the time, but um, she she wasn't able to take uh, music education. Mm -hmm. So for her, it was like a, a big thing to, mm -hmm. um, to have two daughters doing music. Um, so was the transition from going from El Sistema, you left that at 17? Is that when you left that program and went to university or? Um, well, at 17, I, I started to work in, in the professional orchestra, but basically it's the orchestra from the El Sistema. So okay, they, I see. Because they have uh, the, the orchestra for the earlier kids, uh, kids like the um, young orchestra, and then the professional orchestra. So I, I started with them like in, uh, when I was 15 years old. But at the same time, I was doing my uh, my high school. So for me, it was I, I wanted to be all the time playing, but I, I couldn't. So at right. the first moment when I finished my high school, I went directly to the to the orchestra. So okay, mm -hmm. 20, it... 21 years in a row playing with them. So oh my goodness, that's amazing! <laughs> and mm -hmm. to start so young playing professionally at, yes. at seventeen, that's that's you know that's pretty awesome. Um, and what was it like studying the horn at university in in Venezuela? Um, you know, I have a pretty good idea of how things work in the United States, but, you know, of course, it's different in Europe, it's different in Latin America, different in, you know, Asia and different places. So it might be interesting for uh, listeners, especially in, in North America, to hear a little bit more about how the university system uh, in Venezuela works for, for music. Well, um, in my case, uh, I was fortunate to go to the um, UNEARTES. UNEARTES is a university just focused in arts. Uh, only musicians, uh, people that um, uh, study uh, theatrical things, dance, ev everything related mm -hmm. with with the arts. So I I did my study in there, but at the same time I was working in the, at the orchestra. So mm -hmm. for me it was um, demanding, um, but fortunately the, there was um, a program, a special program for for professional people. So they they let you go only like three days per month. It was intensive mm. uh, all day long. Um, and, and, and that was the, the way I could make my 
my studies in there. So it was a lot of a lot for me, but I did it. Well, that's <laughs> yes. yeah. That's... I, I also was traveling because it wasn't in my city. It was two hours. Uh huh. So, oh, so you had to yeah. travel back and forth. Well, that was mm -hmm. that's fantastic yeah. that they were able to work with you to where you could complete your studies and still play in the orchestra. Yeah, the the orchestra at the same time was um, uh, was supporting all the time the musician who decides to to take the studies. So mm -hmm. I have to thanks to them because they let me do it. That's awesome. And is it typically in Venezuela a four-year program for college, or does it vary? Um, well, in my case, it was a little more because, mm -hmm. it, as I say, the program wasn't every day, you know? Right, right. Um, but basically, yes, five years is the, the, regular, the regular program. Okay. Sure. Also, uh, in, the, in, the, in the years when mm -hmm. I was studying, um, I was pregnant, <laughs> so I <laughs> had to stop my sure. my start, my traveling, my playing. But I, I I keep going all the time. That's certainly a lot to to balance, I'm sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and what made you decide to uh, continue on to study musicology? And I, I just glancing at your some information about you here. You you did some. Uh, studies on the horn in colonial music of Venezuela, and you've done a presentation at a international horn symposium. Do you want to talk a little bit about that research? Well, that was um, a career that I didn't expect, or I I, I wasn't planning to study. That uh, was just a suggestion for some of my my friends of the orchestra. Mm -hmm. So they they were musicologists in the in the bachelor degree, and they wanted to continue in a master's degree. So they invited me like, okay, this is a, a really good mm, opportunity to you. You want to join us? Um, I was at, at the beginning, I was just hes hesitating because for me it was musicology. Oh my God. What is <laughs> it was like a, a little lost uh, about the, the, the study. But after um, the beginning, it was so fascinating because the teachers in there are mm, academic people that is all the time making researches and they are very passionate about this the history about everything that they they are all the time reading um was was a, a unexpected um unexpected thing for me but um about the research that you mentioned the um, colonial music um my idea was to found the first evidence about the horn in Venezuela. Mm. I know that there is a lot of to, to search because my research was just a little thing, but I, um, I will need more time uh, also to, to come back to Venezuela to keep the, the search. Uh, I would love to do that, but I don't know if I, I can do it um, soon, but right, I have in mind. Right. Yeah, that's interesting because in, in Venezuela, the, the horn playing started just like in, in, in with the military bands mm. or in, um, inside the church. Uh -huh. So was was an activity not so common with the instrument, but there, there are evidence about the, the, the compositions. Um, very simple, like um, style like Haydn, Mozart, something like that. Sure. Usually two 
two uh, four players uh-huh. at that moment, but but it was interesting to know that we were um, with horn players in Venezuela in at the end of this uh, the seventeenth century. Oh, that's pretty amazing, and that's that's something I know almost nothing about. So I need to educate myself <laughs> about <laughs> about that. I mean, there's there's so much out there. So where did you even start? Did you spend a lot of time in libraries looking at you know lists of concerts and programs to try to find okay this piece had horns and you know that sort of thing? Yeah, reading, reading, looking all the time. Uh, I, I was uh, at the national library mm-hmm. just. Taking all the the things I I I I couldn't um, I don't know it was like a, trying to find a way to 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 see where is the horn because the the best way was through the the music part sure because there I still um, you can find some part of that that that, that time but unfortunately I couldn't find like. Um, like pictures with the instrument mm. to know what kind, what brand or instrument. Maybe in later in the um, in in the nineteenth century you can find some pictures, but sure. at the beginning, mm-mm. and there is no um, like horns that survive from that um, from that um, years. So would these have been like uh, like natural horns or hunting horns mm-hmm. or natural okay. horns, natural horns? Yeah, in the regular in F, in E, and sure. G. Sometimes depends of the of, of the piece. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you mentioned that that they might have been playing music similar to like Haydn or Mozart or, or perhaps even some of the Baroque composers. No Baroque, more like Haydn, more okay, simple. classical. Okay, more classical. Yes. Okay. Pre-classic, classic. That is the the style that I just found in in that music. Mm-hmm. Okay, and these were and the religious religious music. Mm-hmm. And were these Venezuelan composers, or were there mm-hmm. uh, composers yeah. from Europe as well? Yeah, Venezuelan Venezuelan composers. And was interesting because it was a, a way how they find um, the way to work mm-hmm. um, to um, compose music because they weren't allowed um to to be involved in the church because they oh. weren't white people i see they were mestizos okay their correct name is pardos so they were a blend between between the indigenous and the black people so they they didn't have the right to to be um um, to be doing works that only were designated for white people, but they I find see. a way. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Also, was um, a school, a music school, under um, the conduction of a father. Soho is the name. Uh, this father, he loved the, the music, and uh, he started to teach the music to these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, was like a generation of composers, the first generations of composers in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if for someone like me who doesn't know much about this, is there a good place, uh, I assume your research, and you know, is there a good article or book to try to track down that would kind of give us an overview of, you know, this is the basic history of the horn in Venezuela? Where, where would be a good place to start? Well, um, the article, I, I haven't published it. I haven't published it. Well, 
I'm waiting for exact exact um, the the moment when I was in Belgium mm -hmm. in their um, Jerome Billet. Yeah, he asked yeah. for the people uh, that was interested to publish the all the the the, um, the articles in a book, but the book has, hasn't been released yet. So uh, yeah, these things take idea. a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be like for the last year, no, but we don't have any news about that now. Oh, I see. Well, I mean, this was just that was the the symposium in 2019, right before COVID, because the next two years were virtual. Yeah, so yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's gonna take a little while to get things back up and running. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, but uh, yes. well, yes. that that's excellent. I look forward to to reading more about that because again, um, it's, maybe it's, there's so I, much I, out there. Yes, maybe I just can um, write something for the Horan Moore. Yes, that would be excellent, or something for the Horn Call. We would love, yeah. love an article <laughs> like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell me, uh, speaking of uh, Horn and Moore, so you're on the editorial board for that. And uh, could you talk a little bit about how you got involved with the International Horn Society and then what led you to uh, becoming a part of the the Editor, editorial staff for the e-newsletter? Well, uh, everything started around 2016 when Christina just uh, sent me an email uh, asking me for uh, help her to translate some articles into Spanish. Okay. So after that, uh, we just continued doing that um, eventually, not all mm -hmm. the time. But for me, it was the perfect... Um, the perfect time to start to be involved with the International Horse Society from Venezuela because I mm -hmm. was at uh, 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 that time I was living in Venezuela. Mm -hmm. So um, after that, I just continued every time when uh, so someone from the um, and more requests something, I just say, okay, I can, I can help you. I have my pleasure. <laughs> yeah. So this year has been a little more uh, formal because Mike just mm -hmm. asking me, do you want to do this for us? Uh, we love to know more about Latin America or people. I say, of course, of course. That is is amazing. It's amazing. Well, thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, it's uh, what an amazing team he's put together for that e-newsletter. So, and you're you're talking about Christina Masha Turner, who was the uh, just prior to um, uh, Bernardo Silva, the IHS uh, vice president, and she was also in charge of the e-newsletter. Now, how did you two meet? Did she meet you at a at a symposium, or how did she get in touch with you? Uh, when I um, I started with the with the Hora Moore, it, it was only uh, through uh, emails because mm -hmm. we we only knew before Facebook, you know. Oh, through Facebook. But, okay, mm -hmm, I see. Yeah, yeah. But after, um, well, at the moment when I I, I was in in Belgium, mm -hmm. finally I could meet her in person. Right. And she's the the prettiest person in the world. She's so cute all the time, so lovely. Um. Well, uh, it was so cool to know about her um and um the her husband mm -hmm. carrie turner yeah carrie yeah. exactly carrie <laughs> my memory sometimes that's that's okay yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah excellent um so t if you could tell me a little bit about 
Now, I know you're not in Venezuela right now, but maybe tell us a little bit about the things happening in Venezuela and Latin America as a whole related to the horn. I know that there was uh, Latino America horns and, you know, various workshops and things in Latin America that are bringing together the horn players there. Uh, Maybe share a little bit about that kind of stuff. Okay, well, um, as I mentioned before, uh, in Venezuela, is still the the National Horn School. Mm-hmm. Um, the teachers over there, they are pushing so hard to keep alive uh, the classes, um, the master classes, um, all the activities. Um, also, there is a group that started like in 2019, the, the Venezuelan Horns. This is a group of Venezuelan mm, horn players that are around the world. So they used to belong to the Sistema. Mm. Um, With this situation in Venezuela, um, everybody is outside. They just felt the necessity to get together again, um, to be playing again. So they have been doing recordings. Everything is online. Right. Uh, they are doing a, a great job. I've been participating with them in, I don't know, three, four times doing things. Um, I all the time admire that kind of work because I know it's so hard. Um, I know that they feel that they are still connected even if they are not in Venezuela. So. Right, right. And that, you know, that's mm-hmm. always your home and where you're from. And it's even if you go halfway around the world, it's... Uh, it's always a place you feel connected to. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, about what you say about the Latin American horns. Um, this was a movement that just started in the 2020. Mm. Just in March, when everybody was like, oh my God, what is happening? We don't know what to do. Many people in their houses without being able to get out to work to nothing um the the idea uh came from israel oliveira i don't know Mm -hmm. if you Mm -hmm. know him uh nadavi thomas they both started just to um give classes to their Mm -hmm. students um the first thing i just um knew about that was because um, Israel just include me in WhatsApp in a large group of people. Uh-huh. So I, I uh, wonder what it is. I don't understand <laughs> but because I, it was a lot of people from Brazil. So after I, um, the first or second meeting online, oh, I, I got a better idea. So. Since 2016, I started uh, with Veronica Guardia. I don't know if you know her. She's <laughs> from Bolivia. She's a horn player from Bolivia. I started with, with her, a kind of horn community, Latin horn community in Facebook. The oh. name is Red Latinoamericana de Cornista, Latin, Latin American Horn Players Network, something like that in, mm. in English. So when I just realized that Israel started with this group. I told Veronica, Veronica, I I guess this is a good moment to to join them, sure, and um, make something bigger. So we talk we we talk with uh, Israel. Uh, I say, um, Israel, uh, we like to be 
involved in this what you are doing uh, our ideas all the time about connecting people um promoting their jobs their research uh, all the ev events all the the team master classes and they are doing because it's uh, another side of the planet um i know that there, there is a lot of people doing things um i i think that it's really important to promote this to show this so uh, at, at that moment we started to to work on uh, in Zoom, and it was crazy because every day we were connected. Mm -hmm. uh, for me personally, it was like um, a therapy because I yeah. was living in Dallas at that moment. I was alone without my family. Mm -hmm. um, the situation on the pandemic for me was, oh wow, I don't know what what is going to happen. Uh, I don't know what to do. But with this group, I just feel the connection, even. We we're laughing, we crying, we share too much thing every day because mm -hmm. every teacher, every artist we invited was um, an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. So we were so blessed to be connected. Um, this this activity saved a lot of, of our healthy uh, emotional um, part. So. Until now, we, we uh, still uh, be connected. We have two groups in WhatsApp, each of them 250 something people. So we are around 500 people in there. And every day they are sharing uh, materials, sharing concerts. Uh, they are all the time so connected. It's like a club. Oh, that's um, such a great idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So I, I love that. And yeah, I mean, I you know, it's two years out now it's uh, you think back to you know the the the, the anxiety and just the I insecurity when you know when march 2020 rolled around it's like uh you just uh i hope we never have to deal with anything like that again and but if we do i hope that we're better prepared i hope because <laughs> it was just a lot of uh waiting around and just seeing what was going to happen i remember <laughs> yeah yes yeah but uh, in in this community uh we have found a lot of um, good things. Uh, everybody have has been so supporting all the time. Uh, I guess that this is a good thing that we didn't imagine that is going right. to happen, but has been so good. Um, also, I don't know if you, if you knew about that, but we had the opportunity to do the first and the second encounter for um, female horn players, Latin American horn players. Oh, okay. So Sarah Willis was involved with us. Uh, we have like almost a hundred uh, horn players, women. So it was a really good thing to to talk about our things because sometimes uh, uh, women are are not the the um, the most of the of the horn players are are men. Right, yeah? right, yeah. So, well, so there's even there's an international women's brass conference that exists yes. for that reason to promote women mm -hmm. as as brass players because uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's getting better, but historically women have been very underrepresented in in the mm -hmm. ranks of brass players. Yeah, sometimes in Latin America, the culture um, is, doesn't help a lot to to get the, the respect uh, the women. 
deserve as brass player too. Well, it was interesting to do that. Um, mm. at, at some point, it was hard to to listen real um, stories about what happened to other girls. Yeah. Right. And what, what I was going to ask you about, you know, who your musical inspiration and, and, and role models have been and that that's kind of related to that idea of it's so hard to know what's possible if there's no one to look up to who's doing something that you could see yourself doing, you know, when you're, when you're a kid. And if, if, if it's not, you know, if you don't know that that's even an opportunity, it's hard to know that you can, you know, become a professional horn player or be a brass player uh, of any kind if, if you don't have any role models. Well, I guess that my my main role model, my two teachers, Fernando mm. Mora, my first horn teacher, and then Joel Arias. They both uh, studied in, in Europe. Mm. Um, they both were so supporting all the time because I was just uh, a girl when it started with them. After that, teenager and adult, um, they were all the time uh, showing me know all the best about the horn player, giving me recordings, um, pushing me to do things. Um, they all the time uh, were my best friends all the time. So for for me. They are the best inspiration ever. I know that um, sometimes people can talk about the big artists in the world. Of course, they are really inspirational for for everybody, mm -hmm. for sure. But in my case, uh, they are really uh, a good motivation. Joel Aria, for in, um, for instance, he inspired me to to go to the symposium because he he was all the time assisting to the to the symposium. Uh, mm -hmm. I can remember now that in two thousand four um, he was in Spain. He was mm. uh, art, um, guest artist over there, and uh, for me it was so fascinating to listen to him all the time saying, "Oh, oh I was listening." Uh, uh, this artist that was playing this new new um, piece, uh, doing a lot of stuff that for me was another world that I, I just needed to know. Mm -hmm. So um, also uh, I consider that, that both of them are persons that are all the time open to, to give too much to the people. Mm -hmm. they, they are no... They they are not selfish. They they are so open to any uh, person, not only from Venezuela, uh, from e everywhere. So for me, that is important to give all the time what you know uh, to try to connect to help the others. That for me, it was um, a really um, gift from them. Well, I can tell that you they had a huge influence on you because you're doing the same thing. You're 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 being so helpful and helping connect mm -hmm. people and being very giving of your time and efforts and, and talent. So I, I, on behalf of the IHS, we're all very appreciative of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gabrielle, if I could ask you a little bit about, uh, again, this is, I always like learning about new music and new composers for the horn. Are there some Venezuelan works for horn or Venezuelan composers that, that you really like that maybe other people outside of uh, Latin America might not know about, or we could expand that to include any Latin American composers who have pieces for horn that, you know, that maybe you and people from uh, Venezuela or Latin America know really well, but that maybe other people don't. What would be, you know, some pieces we should, we should check out and listen to? 
Well, um, right now I can remember um, that there is that there are two concerts from Inocente Carreño. Okay. He was uh, a horn player. He played at the at the Venezuela Symphony Orchestra okay. in the, at the beginning of the. I don't remember, but it was one of the first the first horn player at the 20th century. Okay. Uh, also, he was composer. He he made um, he made a lot of composition for orchestra, really beautiful pieces. Um, but he had two concerts that are really good concerts. Also, um, there there is another friend. He is Jose Luis Colmenares. He, he do the premiere of his double horn concert. Um, maybe it was in 2016, 17. I don't remember exactly. It was before I just came here. But it's a really nice concert too. Okay. It's for two horns and the orchestra. But the, the, the best thing is that the, the horn players in the other orchestra, uh, they have to played so hard too all the time it's like a marathon you you finish the the, the concert like <sighs> yeah yeah <laughs> but it, it's so great right now i just can't remember those work okay uh, mm -hmm. okay i'll have to check those out and inocente mm -hmm. carreño carreño mm -hmm. okay and then who was the other composer? jose luis jose luis colmenares Nice. Okay, I will uh -huh. have to check those out. Thank you sure. so much. Sure. <laughs> if you well, want, you. I, I can um, find a list of, of, of things from Latin America because also in Latin America horns, uh, we try to do a contest for Latin American compositions for the horn. Ooh, so that's a yes, yeah. we we did that, um, and we are waiting to to do the premiere of, of the winner maybe the next year because all this thing about the COVID has been a little hard for us but we want to we want to do the the premiere in brazil oh excellent yeah please do send that to me i'll include it in in the show notes and if the, there's links to anything i can put those in there so yeah, there's at least two or three horn call articles in there if you can uh, find the time to write them or find someone else to help you write them. Or <laughs> mm -hmm. that, that would be excellent. I'd love to read more about uh, some of those pieces. Sure, sure. Well, thank you. And Gabriella, thank you so much for uh, sharing your time and uh, enthusiasm. It's just been really fun to talk to you today. 